Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Have you realized that when men come out as bi, most people think... That they're gay with apprehension And when most women come out as bi Most people think they're straight And looking for attention And both of these realities assume That everyone's only into men Welcome to the Curious Folks Podcast For those challenging the status quo In love, sex, and relationships My name is Effie Blue and I'm Jacqueline Misla, and on today's episode, we're going to continue to celebrate pride by talking about bi-visibility. It seems like more and more people are expressing their interest in both men and women and or gender non-binary folks. I know that in my TikTok, I'm seeing, and, and I've talked many a time about lesbian TikTok. <laughs> you love lesbian TikTok. I do love lesbian TikTok. <laughs> no. Well, I love all sorts of TikTok. I love musical TikTok. I love funny TikTok. But somehow I just came upon lesbian TikTok. Don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Have no idea how that possibly occurred. Oh, how? But, I wonder. <laughs> but one of the subgenres, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the show, of lesbian TikTok is is I think I may be bisexual lesbian TikTok (laughs) where there is just like video upon video of, I guess, women who identified as straight who are saying, I now feel confused. Uh I was straight. I had a husband. I have children. Like I was rooted in my straight self. But some of these lesbian TikToks are having me think something else. And so I just, I'm seeing now all of these bi-curious women live, like realizing in real time. In real life, yeah. They actually may be bisexual. Mm -hmm. But it was was funny because I was saying that my feed is you know, lesbian TikTok and and folks who are like, and lesbian potential or bi folk potentially realizing that they are bi or lesbian and not straight. You were saying your whole feed is bi. Yeah, I realized the more we explored the subject and last episode when we were talking about queerness and this episode when we're going to explore bisexuality, that I've been in a bubble, um, in a kind of a safe haven of a bubble, especially in New York, where when I look at my feed, most people, most of my feed are people who identify as either bi or queer. Um, most of my community in New York are bi or queer. You almost kind of have to come out as straight, which is what we joked about last mm. last episode. You kind mm-hmm. of almost have to kind of come out as straight among my people just because so that so that you're not wasting people's time. You know what I mean? You have to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm one of those like three straight people. So like don't waste don't waste your time on me. Like it's it's kind of what you had to do. But I just realized it's just like, yeah, I straight people are rare where I hang. Is this a a, a New York feed, heavy feed too? Because I feel like that's super New York to be like, listen, yes. just don't waste my time. Are you what are you? Just <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> totally. Just like get, put it out there. Yeah, I mean, most I would say I would say I feel like Europe just doesn't have such a prevalent conversation about sort of gender. Or I, I should say identity politics. Also, I haven't lived, 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 lived there in a long, long time. I stay connected. I bounce back and forth, but I haven't lived there in a long time. So maybe I haven't come across it. But when I was living in Europe, I just didn't come across as much of this like prevalent conversations around identity politics and gender identity and sexual orientation all that kind of stuff yeah but in the u.s it is a it's an ongoing conversation and my you know beautiful safe haven of a bubble in new york city are predominantly queer folk yeah well i think what's interesting is and and i kind of jokingly said it seems like more and more people that is the perception, right? That more and more people now are saying that they are bisexual mm. when, according to the stats, that's just not true, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at the 2013 Pew survey, which did research and studies within the LGBTQAI community. Mm-hmm. 40% of the queer alphabet identify as being bisexual. Mm-hmm. 36% reported as being gay. Mm-hmm. 19% reported as being lesbian. 5% reported as being trans. And we know that the 40% of those those who reported as bi, three quarters of them are female identifying and a quarter yes. of them are male identifying. Yes. According to that study, that yes, that yes. was absolutely the breakdown. And then there's been more research since then. So the Movement Advanced Project, which is an independent LGBT think tank, wrote a report noting that probably it's more closer to 52% of LGBT people identify as bisexual, Mm. yet many of them are maybe not becoming out due to stigma. And so even though there is a large, and according to, you know, reports, the largest percentage in the queer alphabet Mm. are actually folks who identify as bisexual. Mm. And the B is in the LGBT. Is the original lesser. Totally. I mean, we talked about this earlier. Like the, Mm -hmm. it used to be LGB in in the old days when this was, this became a thing. Like the the B has been there from the beginning, you know? So, I find that fascinating that, you know, we've added T and Q and A and I, and now there's a plus and then, the, but the LGB has been around since the beginning. Yeah. And, and what I think is, is challenging for folks who identify within the B is that there is such a thing as bisexual eraser or bisexual invisibility, mm-hmm. which is a pervasive problem within the queer alphabet community. Mm-hmm. Because it challenges the existence or the legitimacy of bisexual people. It, it right. questions or outright denies that bisexual people exist. Right. They kind of get absorbed into mm-hmm. um, straight or gay, depending on who they're standing next to. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, in that moment. Um, yes. Rather than an identity that might be beyond the visible, which is great example that you give is you you know that we inherently refer to married women as a lesbian couple without really knowing if they're Mm -hmm. really lesbian or are either of them both of them bi right so i i yeah i totally get that yeah two men in relationship we're like oh that's a gay couple two women in a relationship that's a lesbian couple we don't assume that one or both of them could be bi and Mm. so you know that that is a frustration because then there's a level of like having to prove it how does one prove it particularly if they if they are either in a straight relationship or a same-sex relationship how am i supposed to am i supposed to wear a shirt do you want me mm. to constantly announce myself when I walk into a room? Like, what is the thing that I need to do yeah. to prove to any, everyone that actually, no, I'm attracted to more than just one gender? It, 
that's my own. Yes. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think that that also, I mean, I totally get that. And I think that's also the case with people who, are, you know, who identify as polyamory and polyamorous and seem to just have one partner in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, yes. well, you're not an monogamous. You just have, you know, you're, you're one partner. Well, okay. Like what's inside me is different than what's, what's um, expressed in this exact moment, but it doesn't change who I am. Yes. Um, so I think similar, you know, I, I totally get that. That's also the bi experience of like, yeah. Having to constantly correct people. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if it's important to you, you know, you, 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 you are put in a situation where you constantly have to correct people's assumption that you are one or the other. Right. And that bias or that discrimination doesn't just happen outside of the LGBTQAI plus community. It happens within the community mm-hmm. because even within the community, bisexual folks are often either A, like we said, considered straight or gay, depending on who their current mm-hmm. partner is, right. or bisexual folks are, are referred to as allies mm-hmm. within the community as opposed to members of the community, mm-hmm. or it's called a phase or people are just, you know, experiencing some confusion. Mm-hmm. Those are all acts of erasure. And mm-hmm. it plays a real critical role in reducing the bi visibility within the community mm-hmm. and reducing access and resources and support to bisexual people. And they need it. We need it. Sure. Yeah. It was interesting. We looked into this, right? And this is kind of a conversation that we're having. It seems, it seems that there's a massive impact of this erasure on Mm -hmm. folks because we came across some interesting stats about how uh, bisexual people are far more likely to experience mental health issues than either lesbian or gay within the community and how bi folks are more likely to attempt suicide than their gay or Mm -hmm. lesbian or straight peers. So we did a bunch of digging and unfortunately we can't really get to the actual study. So we've kind of read the reports Mm -hmm. of this study. I have a a, a million questions in my head of the causations and the correlations and, you know, whys and hows and how this was measured and all kinds of stuff. But I can see the anecdotal correlation or the, I should say the assumed correlation, or I can kind of imagine how these dots connect if you, if your identity isn't recognized and if you find that you don't fit in anywhere Mm -hmm. that this causes existential stress. Right? Yeah, because a sense of belonging is our primary need for safety and security. Humans are pack animals, so if yes. for some reason you can't find somewhere to belong, mm-hmm. then I can totally see how that causes all these issues, mental health issues, and in the terms of suicide and all those kind of dark, dark places. I can totally see how you get there. I just find it so mm-hmm. fascinating that the bisexual folks make up half approximately Mm -hmm. half of the LGBTQ community, yet for Mm -hmm. some reason they can't align, like they feel like they're a a man with no land. What is that? Yes, a a man with no country, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That part I find really fascinating. And again, of course, I have the privilege of my my bubble, but Mm -hmm. like it's still like murky to me where apparently there's so many of us, Mm -hmm. but yet we feel like we don't belong anywhere. That I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Like, I'm like, huh. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way. And, and you know, to your point, we nerded out for a while. <laughs> we nerded mm-hmm. out and went down a rabbit hole of statistics, trying to understand the numbers and correlations and found, you know, reports from Pew and the Movement Advancement Project and Human Rights Campaign and National LGBTQ Task Force. And, and all of these reports kept saying the same thing over and over, right. right? Bisexual folks experience more mental health issues, more likely to attempt suicide. 
And I have not been to that dark of a place. And I have absolutely felt that I was a man with no country. I've absolutely felt like I've had to continue to defend my sexuality, prove myself. I did a soapbox moment, particularly about <laughs> um, identifying as you know pansexual. And we'll give some, some glossary terms in a second. But noting that people were like, are you though? But are you? Like, who have you slept with? Like, who have you dated? What about this person? And never in my life have I had to, it feels like, defend something in such a way. And, and to what end? To what end does me calling right. myself pansexual or bisexual based on on who I want to sleep with, like, what does that impact you? Why, why should right. I have to prove something to you? And so I have felt that. I have felt like I didn't belong or I felt like I've had to convince myself uh, or rather convince others of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It takes a toll. It's taxing. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's prevalent across a bunch of different areas within the LGBTQI communities right like straight people ask like boundaryless questions if once Mm -hmm. okay let's not generalize because that's not everybody but i have definitely Mm -hmm. witnessed and heard people asking very very intrusive questions upon finding out someone's in you know someone's in is queer i know Mm -hmm. trans people get all sorts of questions about Mm -hmm. their genitals and what operations they've had and and you're just like Mm -hmm. whoa like that's so intrusive what are you asking I, de- I mean, I've heard people, you know, people in my family, and this comes from ignorance, like not not any kind of evil, but it's ignorance, like telling them that, you know, a good friend of mine is gay and they're like, is he a top or a bottom? I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I? Wh- First of all, why would I have a... Com- I mean, I would, but why would a regular person... <laughs> like, do you know exactly what position like your friends have sex in like what like mm-hmm. what what an intrusive question what an assumption that mm-hmm. i would know wh- how my friend has sex right right mm-hmm. or how what his sexual actual sexual preferences are yes it feels like this like permission given some automatic permission given that as soon as you step outside the heteronormative spectrum or the heteronormative mm-hmm. state then you are also have to prove answer all the questions disclose right. it's like the people um, zoo Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's actually, let's pause, let's take a glossary moment and then let's go into some of the myths and some of the things that create by invisibility, because Mm -hmm. I do think that is important. We have this platform. Let's use it to bust some myths Mm -hmm. and to talk about what it is we can do to raise the visibility and create more of a welcoming space. So glossary moment. Mm -hmm. First, let me note actually that definitions vary based on the person. So I also, I think that's important for me personally to note that there are times where I have called myself bisexual. There are times that I've called myself pansexual. Frankly, sometimes it depends on the audience. There are Mm -hmm. times when I know that someone will not know what pansexual means and I just do not have the energy to educate them. And so bisexual feels like an easier term Mm -hmm. and then more digestible term in that moment. But I I would say it depends on the person and it's important for us to create some shared language, which is why we want to create some some sense of definition. So Mm -hmm. bisexuality generally means sexual attraction that is not exclusively to people of one gender. So being Mm -hmm. attracted to both men and women. 
And I've also said pansexual, so I should name that. Pansexual generally means not limited in sexual choice regarding biological sex or gender or gender identity. Mm-hmm. And so yes. they, they're maybe sisters or cousins, these two, these two right. orientations, but they are, there is a difference in that pansexuality. I'll, I'll speak specifically for myself that it does not matter to me how the person who I'm attracted to identifies what their gender is, what their orientation is, um, unless they're not attracted to women, then certainly that impacts me. But apart from that, how they identify who they are, what their sexuality is, what their sex is, what their gender is, doesn't matter to me if I am attracted to them and we have connection. Mm -hmm. So that is pansexuality in my definition. And so just noting kind of the distinctions there and also allowing people to define what that means for them. We've talked about that a lot when it relates to open relationships, right? One person's definition of open can be very different than another person's definition of open. And so invite the question. And know that some bi people may also use pan or queer depending on the situation. Let me ask you a question. Sure. I'm, I imagine if, as I ask this, as I form this question, I will also form an answer for myself, but I am curious <laughs> to what, what, what you would have to say to this. A second ago, I said how people become intrusive and don't respect boundaries as soon as somebody comes out as not straight. And I stand by that statement. Now we're saying definitions vary and someone mm. might say bye, they might meet pan or mm-hmm. you know, clear is ambiguous. So at some point, if you do want to get into the, if it does matter to you, right? Mm-hmm. Let me speak for myself. As a person who's attracted to a person, regardless of their identity, I am interested in where the other person stands if I'm attracted to them. Right, because mm-hmm. as a New Yorker, I don't want to waste my time. <laughs> um, uh, so I've recently been testing this term out: benevolent curiosity mm. or benevolent inquiry, where you are kind of approaching somebody with curiosity to really get to know them, to connect with them. So, how do you approach somebody with benevolent curiosity to really understand their sexual identity? Because you kind of fancy them. It's a great question, actually. I think, you know, (laughs) my first answer is going to be, it depends. (laughs) But it depends on the situation, right? If we're at the grocery store and somehow, I mean, I don't know why sexual orientation would come out at that moment, but if we are in a conversation where there is context, but there is not an invitation for you to continue to explore, then, you know, take that social cue. Just because you now know that who it is that I like to sleep with doesn't mean that now that's an invitation to ask me all sorts of questions. If we, are, if you're interested in me and want to know if I'm going to sleep with you, and this actually goes into one of the myths, just because I'm attracted to your gender doesn't right. mean I'm attracted to you. Of course. Yes. And so I think that that's also the assumption that, that sometimes people want to ask the question like, Ooh, who are you attracted to? Meaning that once I say men or women or transfer or whatever that looks like, they're like, yay, I'm in that bucket. That means that I'm in. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I think that it, it goes along with anything else. If there's co- connection, if there's bond, if you feel me flirting, mm. if you feel my energy, you're going to know if I like you. You mm-hmm. will know I'm not coy. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you, you and I talked at some point about like the difference between flirting with men and with women. Mm-hmm. And you said that you flirt differently. And I was like, no, no, it's the same. Be a man, mm-hmm. be a woman. If I'm interested, you're going to know that I'm interested. And so I think that if you're feeling that energy from me and we build up the level of connection and rapport to be able to ask those questions, if I'm not ready to answer that question, take my lead. Wait until mm-hmm. I start asking you some personal questions, which will then be the invitation for you to start asking me some personal questions. So when in doubt, 
wait <laughs> mm-hmm. and follow the lead of the other person, I think would mm-hmm. be the formula that I would recommend. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I actually, where I thought you were going to go with the question is we are saying the definitions depend on the person, but then we're also giving definitions and we say that it can change. And then we're saying that we should ask the person at the end of the day, just believe what the person says. The person says that they're bisexual, if they say they're pansexual, if they say that whatever that is, it needs no further inquiry than that. If you're wondering if they're interested in you, their sexual attraction will be, (laughs) will reveal itself to you over time. I was going to say, the question you should be asking is, are you into me? Exactly. (laughs) Not who are you into, but like, are you into me? Exactly. So I think that's part of it. Just dissect what your intention is. If it's just mere curiosity, then I'm going to ask you really to, again, think about, right, exactly. You're, this is not a people zoo. I am not a living Ted talk. This is not the place where you're going to come and educate yourself. Go Google a thing. If you have come to an event where I'm talking about this specifically, Mm-hmm. If I do an IG live or something, sure, then ask me. That's all an open invitation. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, not so much. Flirt and take your chances. Exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's where I land. And with any yeah. other place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so okay, so we did some glossary moments and we talked about what the, what the challenges are and the fact that they are real challenges. That this isn't anecdotal, that according to the research, bisexual folks really do struggle more with mental health issues, struggle more with potentially mm-hmm. not feeling a part of community and attempting suicide. There were some, some statistics that I read around bisexual youth also feeling like, number one, that they have more attempts of suicide, but also feeling like they don't have enough adult role models, that actually gay, lesbian, and straight youth find more adults that they feel accepted by than bisexual youth. And a part of that is the lack of representation. And so, you know, want to spend some time talking about that today as well. Again, I hear you and I, you know, we looked at the numbers together, though Mm -hmm. it is old research, right? So that's the other piece. Like we couldn't find any recent research. Everything that we found is technically in the previous century. You know, we found some 2006 data. Yeah. I think we found up to like 2015. Yeah. I'm, I'd be interested in seeing like recent data because things have shifted so much in the last few years. Yeah. If you are a researcher or if you know of research, please send it to us. us. Yeah. And then again, I find it fascinating that given that half of the LGBT community is apparently bi, young folk not finding by mentors and allies. I'm just like, how is this happening? What's happening? Okay, I'm going to explain to you why. This, ah. I think, goes in part of the myths. Mm-hmm. I think the first myth is that bisexuality is either code for gay or mm-hmm. it's just a phase. Sure. Right? And so even as a young person and you say that you're bi, depending on the family that you're in, they're like, actually, you're just gay. Or this is just a phase, phase. right? What's the term? Sure. Lug is like lesbian until graduation. I just that... learned that from you today. That's a <laughs> yes. thing. Lug yes. is a thing. Lesbian until graduation, folks. Right. That in college, you're going to mess around. But then once you graduate, once you're, you know, serious about your life, of course, you're going to marry a man and have some kids. Like this is just experimentation. And so that that is number one, right? That That when bi men say they are bi, that actually means that they're not comfortable saying that they're gay yet. Or if bi women are saying that they're bi, it actually means that they're just experimenting and they need to get that experimental energy out of their system before they inevitably end up with a man, which is what they really want. Sure. I mean, yes. And these are myths. We know this. And the narrative that especially gay men go through a bi phase on their way to coming out as gay is a fact. 
Well, is it a fact? It is, there is truth in that to some people's stories. It does not mean that that is a fact across it's prevalent, the board. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like, I think it's a prevalent story that is true for a lot of people, but that doesn't mean everybody who, who's bi is on their way to gay. Right? right. I think both stories exist, but they're kind of mutually exclusive from one another. Right. So there is truth that some gay and lesbian folks come out as bi first, either mm-hmm. because that is more digestible, mm-hmm. it is be, it is safer as a transition, mm-hmm. or they're still coming to terms and understanding their own sexuality. Yes. So it can be a transition for some folks. And, and not all bi folks are on their way to being exactly. gay. Exactly. Both things are true. Yes. Yes. I mm-hmm. think that's worth saying that. And I think uh, because both narratives do exist. In fact, in preparation for this episode, I did a little poll with my little tiny group of friends and you know not only they themselves said gay men and and my in sort of people that i know not only they said that's what they did everybody they know did the same thing so that's what i mean it's a it's a pervasive path but that does not mean everybody who says they're bi are on their way to gay or lesbian yes yes present company included I, uh, <laughs> I have not, I've still, I've still decided that all of the gender orientations was interesting to me, yeah. that I've not decided that this is a pathway to lesbianism. I don't know. Depends on the day. Sometimes, sometimes I have, you know, I have, I have such interactions <laughs> with men. I'm like, you know what? I might just, just like let go of everything else. Be a lesbian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really yes. depends on the day. I was going to say, but also, but that, and even anecdotally, that though can be the fact that, that we are like, well, it's a choice and depends on the day really does contribute though to some folks feeling like it is a phase and it is a choice. And for those of us who feel like we have no choice, that this is who we are, who we're meant to be, this is in our DNA, then even just kind of comments and notes like that can, for some folks, depending on where they are in their journey, make them feel like who they are can change, can change in the day. And that may not be true for everybody. I feel like I'm in a privileged place of being attracted to all sorts of people. And if I am having a bad day for some reason and I'm done with men, then I'm like, actually, I'm attracted to a bunch of other people and and I have that option. It doesn't, I mean, obviously I was joking. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not how, it's not really how it goes down. But I think I do have a choice. Like I, the re, I feel like being attracted to many, many people and finding points of attraction that is different than, than gender identity, right? That's, I think that's mm-hmm. what I'm making most sense of my own mm-hmm. sexual orientation, that my points of attraction just has nothing to do with gender identity. Like I just have other points that I need to be attracted to people to feel aroused and, and sexually attracted to them. It's just like those points of attraction, just your genitals doesn't seem to be an important factor, right? Yes. Or your or your gender expression doesn't seem to be one of those factors, right? Yes. So this is how I feel. So I feel like it's a kind of an opportunity to express my desire with whomever I want. I actually think that at some point it becomes really more about monogamy and non-monogamy choices because if I'm going to stick with one person then I get to choose who that person is. And mm-hmm. I get to choose either a, a man or woman or somewhere, you know, a trans person or, you know, like if I'm going to end up with one person, I am going to get to choose one. It doesn't erase my sexual orientation. I just, mm-hmm. just pick one person. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I think that the key word that you said is your sexual expression 
of right. your attraction. That just because, for example, I am with, with two women now does not mean that I'm no longer attracted to men or no longer attracted to non-binary folks or no longer attracted to trans folks. It just means that I am in relationship with these with these two women. Sure. And so it has not shifted who I am attracted to. My choices have impacted my decisions, my behaviors, my actions, sure. but not my attraction. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, doesn't matter how bad of a day I've had, I will always want to fuck Aquaman. So, like, (laughs) I don't even know what... (laughs) I wish I knew his name. The cartoon version of Aquaman? No, the actual live-action version of... of Whoever the actor is playing Aquaman in Aquaman form. Like, doesn't matter what (laughs) what kind of a day I've had. Like, I'm I'm down for fucking that person in that that form, you know? So, yes, yes, I'm not saying, like, I'm now a lesbian and will never look at men again. There'll always be a part of me that's like, well, you know, unless they're Aquaman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, okay. So that actually reminds me of the TikTok video that I sent to you. Hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) In advance of this conversation, which you heard at the beginning of our ding from Silly Miss Allison, we'll include her TikTok handle in our show notes. But what's interesting is that in the case where, you know, bisexual men are really seen as gay and bisexual women are really seen as just experimenting and then they're going to end up with men. The assumption is that everyone at the end of the day wants to end up with men, right? Yes. <laughs> that if you are bi, that everyone wants a penis. Ultimately, you want a penis. <laughs> yes. <right>? Mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately, yes. Everybody wants penis. <laughs> yeah, no. But no. yes, it's, yes, that that is the like when you sum it all down, that just that just shows how deep and insidiously patriarchy runs in our society, yes. in our culture. That even when you're trying to get away from that, you come full circle <laughs> to the conclusion totally that we all want penis, penis. for fun. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants some penis. And I should also note that there are cases where people may want to sleep with someone and not be in relationship with them. You and I have talked about this too, yes. right? That you may want to have sex with a woman, but not be in relationship with a woman or have sex with a man and not be in relationship with a man or non-binary. Like that your sexual attraction does not automatically mean that you want to also be in relationship with someone. So I'm just noting that to make space for all the people. Anywhere you land in orientation, anywhere you land in sexuality, anywhere you land in these things, there's room. Welcome all. Welcome everybody. My biggest takeaway from all this is like humans are complex, Mm multi-layered, multifaceted. And when you are approaching them, approaching them, approach them with benevolent curiosity. And when you are questioning or discovering yourself, like, we go back to the same thing. Know thyself. Know these things mm-hmm. about you. Don't let society tell you that all these things are like squished into one. Just because you have sex with somebody, you have to, you know, be in a relationship with them. Just because you are having sex with a man doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically straight. It's sort of the inner inquiry, I think, is also really important. And and it's I think it's also fair to say, and there's like a bunch of studies on this, that people change and evolve throughout their lifetime. And people, you know, you might start off your mm-hmm. life and you feel like you're straight. And then you discover you have a connection with somebody and you were like, realize, oh, actually, maybe not that, not that straight. And then maybe you go down. Maybe you're on lesbian TikTok and then you you're on lesbian TikTok and you're convinced. <laughs> and then you realize, you know what? You know, and I think allowing that fluidity is important as well. That Absolutely. it's not once you kind of stick a label on you that is now like tattooed on your forehead, like mm-hmm. labels, like post-its, people, post-its, like 
you know, write them, stick them, you know, mm-hmm. drop some, write some new ones. Like, I think that's a healthy use of these labels. Yes. Self-inquiry in post-its. I love that point. And I want to make this this nuanced kind of backup point that for yourself, allow for your fluidity, allow for change, allow mm. for evolution, allow what that looks like. In someone else, do not anticipate that what they're mm. telling you sure. is a part of fluidity or part of their journey. Mm-hmm. If someone says they are bisexual, believe they are bisexual and that they are not on a pathway to mm-hmm. something else. I think part of the challenges, and this is, you know, we started off this conversation but, or a little while ago by you saying, why is it so difficult for bi folks? I think one of the other reasons is that bi folks are sometimes seen as allies within the community and not members of the community. Mm-hmm. So there's this perception that bisexual folks have one foot in the straight world and one mm-hmm. foot in the gay world and that we can step out of the gay world when it's not convenient to us. That as soon as we are partnered with someone of the opposite sex, that we are no longer in the community. We're no longer actually a part of the queer alphabet, that we are now just allies. Mm-hmm. And that feels incredibly problematic mm. because there's a perception that bi folks are not politically queer if they're not visibly out there, which I don't know, again, how someone is supposed to prove their bi-ness. Mm. And it claims then that someone's identity or orientation changes based on the person who they're dating. And that is just not the case. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like you wouldn't, you, we wouldn't question a single person and say, you're not like you're, you're a person who wants to be single forever, right? Mm-hmm. Or be like, okay, you're single right now. But if you are, you know, whatever gender you're with, then it's an assumption is that that's what you are, I guess. Yes. That who you are with changes who you are. Right. Exactly. And that is not something that exists in all other places. And so again, it's just, and whether or not it does, whether this exists, because frankly, if when I'm with a woman, then people think I'm a lesbian. And if I'm in a man, people think I'm straight. Right. So the point is I, who I am has not changed based on the person who I am with. Mm, sure. And as, as someone who is attracted to multiple gender identities, then it feels incredibly frustrating for folks to think that I can opt in or out of being a part of the community, that I am somehow not advocating for in the fight of, in pursuit of equity for the entire community, because at Mm -hmm. some point in my existence, I may be partnered with someone who is of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. That sometimes you like penis. Well, I always like penis. Whether or not I act on my desire to yes. participate. So that you in want penis. some penis. Some, sometimes <laughs> right. that's something I don't want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So that's that's a myth. And let me okay, so this is another one that again has has personally helped me or create an environment where I felt alienated or judged. And that is the perception that bisexual folks are more likely to cheat or to be open because we want access to all genders, mm-hmm. right? That we, I have been called confused. I have been called greedy. Mm-hmm. And I know poly folks have heard the same criticism. Yes. However, I hear you doing what I do, which is talk to people about open relationships all day, every day. I would say, again, anecdotal, my little research of people, number of people that I see, and I do see dozens and dozens of people, that I would say one party being bi is in the top three reasons to why people want an open relationship. Yes. That doesn't mean to say if you're bi, you're more like, that you're bi, that you're going to cheat more mm-hmm. or you're going to, but right. that 
one party being bi is one of the top three reasons to why people want to open up a relationship. I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, that there are folks who absolutely say that they are bi and that is a part of their journey in their transition to either being gay or lesbian, mm-hmm. either again, because they feel like they can't say that they, or whatever reason, or it's part of their exploration. And so it's absolutely also true that there are bi folks then who want to be open or bi folks mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Ex- cheat because they want to participate in experiences with multiple mm-hmm. gender. That is, all, that is all true. It does not mean all of us though. <laughs> it doesn't mean all of us are going to cheat. Not all bi people. Mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't no. tell you there. I have yeah. had very real experiences. I'm, I'm interested if this is true for you too, where I have been at some party, some event where it made sense for me, where it was a mixed audience of, you know, monogamous folks and and open folks Mm. or straight and, you know, and gay folks. And there have been moments where I've shared out maybe my work or something and have said, you know, I'm, I'm pan, I'm poly and have seen like the couple who I am talking to, like one or both of them kind of grip to the other person, like link arms to like claim their territory as if now I'm like, Oh no, she's like, she, she can go after anybody. She has no boundaries. And just because mm-hmm. I like men and women doesn't mean I like you. So yeah, no, totally. You can totally. Chill out. Yeah. Be okay. Exactly. Tranquila. Yeah. No. I same. I have those experiences. By the time I tell people what I do, how I identify, you know, by the time I tell people that I work with people in open relationships, that I prefer polyamory and that I'm attracted to humans in general, and I wrote a book on sex parties, you see people, <laughs> you see people take like at least one of them takes steps back, <laughs> pulling the other 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 person away, <laughs> the other person pulling the other one forward and leaning in, like whoa, tell me what. <laughs> definitely been in those situations and people <laughs> clinging to one another yes i have I, mm-hmm. I have experienced that and yes if you tell people you are attracted to all genders there is an assumption that you'll be attracted to them there is this mm-hmm. the assumption the dots they're connecting i think is also weird is that you suddenly have no boundaries and you just want to like yeah absorb and swallow all people into <laughs> your into your <laughs> Vulva. Yeah, (laughs) I appreciate that y'all think I have that level of bandwidth, but I'm too tired. I'm too tired to sleep with all of your partners. So you're good. (laughs) Exactly. You're all safe. Exactly. (laughs) Sleep well, everyone. Be nice to your partners. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if bi bi folks are used like the boogeyman to scare heteronormative couples into being nice to one another. Well, I actually did a podcast. uh, I was a guest on a podcast recently, and the hosts are a couple. And they are an open couple. And I was sharing somehow again, I was happened upon my share of, uh, to love my love of lesbian TikTok. I don't know how that came up. I don't but uh, I was I talking don't. about lesbian TikTok <laughs> and I was talking about how, again, how more I'm seeing more and more folks, like women who identified as, as straight saying, hmm, I, I really believed I was straight until I found lesbian TikTok. And the male partner in, in that couple was like, uh, I don't know if I want to know that that exists. I don't oh, know if that threat, threat is out there. Threat. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, um, we said we'll do a whole episode on this in the future. I am super curious that if there was some way to create a vacuum where men and women are equal, that women had equal opportunities in life and mm-hmm. careers and safety and security and identity and presence and all the things, what would be the sexual orientation distribution in that environment Mm -hmm. where you remove the need for men for 
other than sex, right? Safety, security, mm-hmm. status, finances, you know, mm-hmm. all, like the need, right? If you were right, to... I hear you saying, if we don't need men, would we still want them? That's, yes. <laughs> that's the question that I hear you posing. I, I feel like I feel like you just made some men jump. <laughs> They're like, what? I, I don't need a man and I still would enjoy the company of one. Exactly. You are mm-hmm. pan, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm at, I'm I'm wondering what happens to the straight identifying women. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter to us, right? It doesn't matter be, to, to us because we already mm-hmm. picked our side or we're kind of in the middle, right? I'm curious about women who I de- currently identify as straight. What would happen if you like remove that social side of things, like the social mm-hmm. need, right? What would happen? Whether the statistics would change or not? Yeah. My guess is they my guess they would in fact when we do this episode I will dig into I think there is we can get close to that number if we go and look at countries like Scandinavia where there's more equal rights and all that kind of stuff where the level the playing field is, a, is more level um mm-hmm. and we can look at the numbers there and and it's definitely worth doing an episode on mm-hmm. I do wonder I do wonder well rest easy Ben you're 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 still <laughs> safe you're you're, yes. you're going to be okay yes. i do want to make one more point though in terms of what is the challenge at least again for myself and and some of the research that i've been doing around bisexuality and the challenges in coming out as bi one again is that it is seen either as a transition or code for something else or just you know a phase the other is that people now are going to be afraid that I'm going to go after them or their partner. Mm. And the third is that people think that I have an agenda, that I have like a political agenda. And so <laughs> you're, laughing. Say that. <laughs> you're laughing because, yeah, you yeah. you have felt that way. Yes. Uh, not from you. No. I just feel like the identity politics is different than personal identity, right? Okay. Meaning your personal identity is now a part of the politics. Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes coming out as pan, especially queer, and we had a whole episode on this, the pre- previous episode, that information is more than about who you fuck. There is something about sometimes coming out as pan or coming out as queer or saying, identifying out loud persistently that you're pan or you're queer sometimes has a political agenda. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. There is more information there than who you fuck. Yeah. I gotta say with that. I mean, yes, and I think the thing that I'm sitting with is you saying like pervasively. Like if it, any, if every Zoom call that I had started with, hey, I'm Jackie and I'm Pan, then like there's something there, right? There's like something that we need to dig in on and why I keep saying that. But mm-hmm. if you asked me, what is my orientation? And I said that I'm pan. Isn't that exactly about who I would sleep with? I think it's different than co- context, right? So if if it's mm-hmm. if it's an answer to a, a question in the context of who are you fucking, who you have mm-hmm. sex with, then I think sh- that it doesn't feel like a political agenda. But I think if you're leading with that, mm-hmm. right? I think it just feels like there's more more to it than. Mm-hmm. Who you're having sex with, right? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. This is the slight sidebar. If you log into your Zoom call every day and you put your, if you say Jacqueline Misla brackets she, her mm-hmm. versus Jacqueline Misla no pronouns, mm-hmm. do you think there is politics involved in the pronouns announcing versus not? Potentially. It depends on how you define politics. I think I do have my pronouns on my Zoom name. 
And for me, that is about ensuring that other folks feel comfortable also naming what their pronouns are so that A, people don't have to question, have to wonder what what pronouns to use in order to be respectful for me. I don't have to wonder what pronouns to use in order to be respectful to them. It also just is a signal that it is okay and comfortable in this space to be all of who you are and to express that outright. So frankly, even if I did say in every conversation, I am bi, I am pan, potentially that that is political. But to me, the political part of it is I want to create visibility. I want to have representation. I want to create welcoming space. So if that is my agenda, then yes, I agree with you. I think, but I wonder what is like the malintent agenda of saying it over and over? I didn't say it was malintent. I just said there's an agenda. Yes, but is that, a, is that bad to have an agenda? No. Okay, because it, it feels like when you say, you know, oh, people have a, an agenda, then it's, it does feel like it's bad as opposed to, yeah, your agenda is representation. Sure. I, I mean, I'm being um, hyperbolic, mostly. I think that depends on the agenda, right? So <laughs> your agenda is all the things that you said. And, and by the way, I'm also playing devil's advocate. I put my pronouns on my Zoom calls. I go by she, she slash they. I do it for other people more than myself. And I put she or they because I'm, I'm not partial to either. And two, I just wanted to seem okay that you can, people can put whatever they want to put, right? So, so it's similar to you, right? I think the way that you go about your agenda is not necessarily how everybody goes about their agenda. So I think, mm-hmm. I think when someone's coming with an agenda, the reason why I you know, made that sound being hyperbolic is because effort is required for me to show up there in a certain way. Mm that is now on the table and there is extra effort required from me in this, in this dialogue, in this connection, I have to turn on my brain and you know, it is no longer fun and games. Hmm. Yeah. I, I hear you. I'm sitting with that because I think both things are true. I think we can still have fun and games. And I do think that sometimes it is a call to action to do something. I don't think that that's untrue. I think, you know, there are very real things that we can do to support by visibility, for example, and they do take action. And I do think that if someone continues to name the fact that they are bisexual or they are pansexual, that it is potentially a signal to say, I do not feel seen. Yes. And it, it will require effort on your part to see me. And of course, and you know, you can make a decision whether or not you want to show up in that way and what that means. But I think that that's true. And I, and let me say, I think depending, particularly if we identify as either allies or members of the community, we actually do have a responsibility to show up in that space. I think what's really challenging for me in particular is that we confront so much Mm -hmm. hate, discrimination, prejudice, real physical threat from outside of the community Mm -hmm. that the infighting just feels exhausting and painful. Yes. Yes. I I cannot agree more about what you've just said. And I think some of my reactions, wanting to pick this side of the, you know, this this side of the argument is to kind of maybe bring light to that. And Mm -hmm. also just, just to say like, I am the first one to bring genders into into conversations, <laughs> you know, and I think maybe it's because I, you know, when I do, like you said, like I have an expectation for the other person to meet me there. And mm-hmm. I think maybe because I have that, I project that. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, 
I there's a weight. <laughs> I feel the weight. Okay. Uh, I feel the weight. This is what other people feel when they're talking to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. yeah, I mean, okay, I, I think I but I think it is these are all, all very, very valid points for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about okay, so what can we do to support by visibility? Yes. I think number one is to change the politics of space mm-hmm. and to create welcoming spaces mm-hmm. that sometimes LGBTQAI plus spaces don't feel welcoming for bi folks. And we have a responsibility to change that. I think that includes expanding your expectations of who you expect to see Mm -hmm. at a queer event or a queer space that if you see two seemingly heterosexual people, a couple, and, and that may trigger for you like suspicion or frustration that there are straight people here. When in reality, those folks may be bisexual, mm. they may be pansexual, they may be trans. Like mm. there's so many other <laughs> combinations that could exist there that mm. kind of check your expectations, check your prejudice mm-hmm. and create spaces that are welcoming. Again, there's so many spaces. There are more spaces in the world that do not welcome us. Mm-hmm. We do not need to now also not feel welcomed within our community. For sure. I think if someone tells you that they're bi, bi or pan, we talked about this, just believe them. Believe <laughs> Let's them. Stop. Let's stop, stop policing. questioning. Yeah, stop asking for proof. Yes. Just say, thank you for sharing. And if yes. you feel inclined, share where you stand. Just believe them. Move on. Yeah. And I, again, I did a soapbox moment on this. Like I, people have asked me like, what would you say about this person or that person? And I just felt exhausting. And, and frankly, that was part of my transition into calling myself queer. Mm. I did not call myself queer for a long period of time, but it felt like I got the least amount of questions. Mm -hmm. So let's not do that to each other. Let's Mm -hmm. not, the world is exhausting enough. Practice your thank you for sharing. Thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Beautiful phrase. Learn it. (laughs) Practice it, dish it out. That is what yes. you say. If somebody comes out to you in any way, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing is what thank you, you say. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for feeling this is a safe space for you to share. Yeah. yeah. I think that if any of us are storytellers, if any of us are in media, I think the more, or just even if you feel like there is safe space for you to share who you are, representation matters. Absolutely. Any platform, if you have any kind of platform and you feel you are safe and secure and that you are able to put yourself out there. For those who are looking for good bi representation for girls, I would like to recommend Avatar The Legend of Korra. It is one of the best pieces of work I've ever seen that has one of the best representation of women, the myriad, the array of women and identities, and also by representation. Great show. Just putting some by representation out there. I like it. That's exactly what we need to do. And then my last tip is more flags. We are covered right now in New York City with rainbow flags, and I love it. But they're not just rainbow flags. There are flags for bi folks. There are flags for pan folks. There are flags for trans folks. Let's include all of the flags instead of just the rainbow as a specific call out to folks to say you too, not just the umbrella, but you also specifically, let's just paint our windows. If you're a business owner, all the flags everywhere. You know, the final call to action is just let's let's not fight with each other. Like let's there's so many people fighting against us in community. Like let's we don't have to spend our time trying to like figure out each other and fight with each other. The rising tide lifts all boats. Let's just work together on equity for everyone. 
let's accept everyone. Like there's, there's enough room. There's enough room for all of us. Plenty. If you've enjoyed this conversation, then you know what I'm going to ask. In this moment, right now, just wherever you're listening to, grab your phone, subscribe to Apple Podcast, rate the show, leave us a review. If you are on Spotify or Stitcher, then you can follow us. It really does make a difference. This is why we ask you every single week to do this because it matters. It lets folks know, the algorithm gods know that you are listening, that you're paying attention, and it helps us to change the noise, which is the core purpose of our work in challenging the status quo. And if you like what you hear, or you don't, if you want to hear something else, then why don't you let us know? Send us a a story, send us a question, send us some feedback at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. If you have a question that you would like us to include in a future audience questions episode, then you can either send us a voice memo to listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com, or you can give us a call on our hotline at 201 870-0063. If you would like to stay connected with us on social media, you should find us on Instagram. I have done an Instagram takeover for the first week of Pride. There are some Instagram lives up there. There are some quotes. There are some quizzes. There's some fun stuff, some extra bonus things. Go on to Instagram, go find us at We Are Curious Foxes. And if you want to talk about this podcast episode or any of the podcast episodes that you've been listening to, you can have that conversation in our Facebook group. Go to Facebook. Also, We Are Curious Foxes. We have a Facebook page where you get some updates. And then we have a Facebook group where you answer three questions to let us know that you want to be engaged in the community. And then you can have access to the community and engage in this dialogue. And if you are extra curious and if you want more bonus features, more dialogue, more conversation, join us on Patreon. Become a supporter of the Curious Fox community and get access to podcast extras, opportunities to ask guest questions. You get some exclusive behind the scenes between us. You get Ask Me Anythings with Effie Blue. When we do virtual events, you get the invitation to come. And so we ask you to go onto Patreon at We Are Curious Foxes and support us and get so much more. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who accepts us regardless of who we love, fancy, or fuck. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha. We are so grateful for their work. And we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.